Well, hello and welcome to the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast where we talk about all things Unreal Engine. Also, when Disney meets a clockwork orange. We're your hosts. My name's Alex and next to me is... Jacob. And uh, here we are. We're back. Ready, uh, ready for action. We got lots to talk about tonight. But before that, I realize I've been forgetting this the past couple episodes. So some, some people have been slacking off, Alex. Make sure, you, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever it is, wherever you are. And let's let's get into it. What, what do we have on the docket today, Alex? Oh, all sorts of fun stuff to catch up on. Um, quick things in the top of my mind right now. Uh, the real-time conference was Monday through Wednesday this week. Uh, I did three talks on Wednesday. That was fun. I was down in Miami for Filmgate premiering Christmas Carol VR and saw a bunch of cool things there. We've had four shows of Christmas Carol VR, so I can talk about that a little bit. There's uh, a very cool AI tool that has gotten me thinking about the future of uh, real-time and, and images called Magnifique. Would love to touch on that. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, Jacob, but I heard there might be some updates with Fortnite. Has any of that crossed your... your? Yeah, I mean, big news. Big news across the board. we got lots to talk about for Fortnite fans uh, or Unreal Engine fans because there's some cool Unreal Engine stuff going on in there too, I will say. Yeah. Oh, one more thing, too, before we dive right in. I think we should start with Fortnite, because I think a lot of people are very excited about these updates. Do you recognize the image behind me? Sorry to our audio-only listeners. That is the VR multiplayer template? Close, yeah. This is uh, the collaborative viewer template. Collaborative, We've been getting yeah, some... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we have gotten some great feedback on our uh, YouTube videos uh, lately. Thank you, everyone, for the comments. And uh, one thing that was uh, consistent, especially in our most recent video, was folks like uh, Oberon2159, and uh, I've got some usernames pulled up, AltVR underscore YouTube, and I think we've got one more, Ventura Director, uh, and Moral Bess, who had said things basically like, hey, I'd love a segment that is along the lines of, if I was going to start doing X from scratch, here's how I would do it. And I thought that was a great idea, so I thought today we could spend maybe five minutes or so talking a little bit about the Collab Viewer template, uh, which I believe is the the most underutilized starting template in Unreal Engine. I feel like a lot of people don't even know about it. How does that sound, Jacob? That sounds pretty good to me. Cool. So, so what do you want to do? You want to get started with some Fortnite and we'll, we'll work our way to the, the hard stuff? <laughs> the hard stuff. Yeah, uh, that sounds great. So let me start off being a bit of a Luddite. Uh, as, as you know, I don't keep up with Fortnite as much as I should, especially considering Epic Games does pay some of my bills. Uh, so here's what I understand is happening. And then you you give us the fuller version. Uh, Epic has had a partnership with Lego for a few years, and people weren't quite sure what was happening with it. There was some speculation it might have something to do with Fortnite or a new game entirely. And then there was a reveal earlier this week that there was going to be a new Lego version of Fortnite. And of course, the first things that came to my mind had to do with, uh, you know, crafting and building and, and the kind of stuff you would do in the typical Lego video games. There was also an announcement, something to do with like rock band or guitar hero kind of stuff, the ability to have this other game mode, I think also in Fortnite uh, in partnership with Harmonix. And that seems really fun. And I feel like there was a third thing, and I don't even know what that is. So uh, catch me up, Jacob. Yeah, let's let's do it. So it, this kind of all, the, the way this went down was you had OG Fortnite that returned. So I want to say about a month ago this started, where they brought back the original map, and it really kind of revitalized the Fortnite you know, player base for a while there, which I think was pretty exciting for 
um, a lot of people. Um, and after that kind of ended, there was a big event that was scheduled, um, I want to say about a week ago now. And all that people knew about the event is that there was something to do with Eminem. They were going to announce the new season. And they kind of used the opportunity to go ahead and, you know, kind of drop a bomb and launch a bunch of stuff all at once. All right. So basically, for, for me and, and my fiance on Friday, uh, it was just, or I think it was Saturday, um, we were, she was taking a study break and we're like, oh, let's play a game of Fortnite. We log on and it says, all right, 30 minute wait in a queue. Or like an hour long wait. And we're like, wow, what's going on? Like, we're not waiting an hour just to play a game of Fortnite. Like, is something broken? And we look it up. What is like, this? The the free tier of GeForce Now? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but we, we look it up. It's like, oh, I, there's some sort of Eminem event. And then I, I'm a little later, I look and I start seeing videos of the event. I'm like, wow, okay, this is more than I thought. So what went down was there was a, um, there was the the Eminem concert, which was pretty cool, and then they did this Big Bang thing where they launched a bunch of new intellectual property, a bunch of new like new games or game modes, whatever you want to call them, all in Fortnite. So the big ones were like you identified, Lego Fortnite, and we'll talk about each of them. Uh, Lego Fortnite, um, like uh, I can't remember what they're calling it, like it, essentially Rocket League racing. With Fortnite, mm. um, they're calling. Oh man, I I really should look up the names for these uh, before I stumble over every single one of them. Um, the Rocket League in Fortnite, they have um, like a rock band kind of mode that they're calling. What's it called? Uh, this is man. If only I'd done some research. You know? <laughs> Uh, f Lego Fortnite, Rocket Racing, and, and Fortnite Festival? Yeah, festivals. Fortnite Festivals. Okay, so yeah. Uh, essentially what this did, it, it brought together two acquisitions that we didn't really know what they were doing with. So they acquired Harmonix. So Harmonix was a company that was started out of, I want to see the MIT Media Lab with Rock Band. Cool. Um, so uh, uh, the Media Lab has a human interfaces group, and they had designed these, like, you know, instrument guitars to play games with and spun it off into a business that, you know, made rock band and everything like that. And then Epic acquired them. We're like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. What are you going to do with that? And really didn't hear much about it. Um, and I, I actually hadn't heard about the, the Lego partnership um i i would have probably just assumed like you that it was just some ip partnership like they announce these all the time with with brands like pretty under the radar and yeah. so now like when unity acquires weta sorry too soon yeah oh my god uh, this is a whole nother a whole nother topic um but yeah so what we now have is three essentially full games so lego fortnite is basically like a Minecraft-esque survival crafting game. Um, and it's kind of interesting uh, because unlike something like Minecraft, the visual style is, as you'd imagine, pretty much like Fortnite, other than like things are Lego bricks 
like uh, items in the world are, are Lego bricks, but not really all. It's a very interesting um, uh, visual style, if I'm being honest, because like the landscape and all that is it's not like Minecraft where like everything is a block. Uh, and so, you know, you just go digging in the earth and all that. It's none of that, as far as I can tell so far. It's a Fortnite landscape with Minecraft characters and specific kind of items inside the world that are made of Legos, and you can build on top of it. And it uses the same biomes uh, that Fortnite uses. Like, they clearly built on a lot of the tooling that they had been designing for Fortnite to build this new game up. Um, and I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, in terms of IP and partnerships, it, it, I think it's a fascinating study in, in like how the kind of metaverse is structured, so to speak. Um, because certainly, like if you're looking at this from the outside, Minecraft is a pretty huge piece of intellectual property that's remained kind of unchallenged in that kind of uh, genre for quite a while. And, you know, here comes two partners that actually have the ability to challenge it in a re you know a real way. Lego has uh, you know an amazing following. Um, it fits right in with this crafting kind of theme. Um, I can see how in the future this sells Legos, right? Like this sells, oh you build your house in the metaverse in Fortnite and then you can order it and get it shipped to your door, right? Like that kind of stuff. I think it's pretty cool, um, and I can see definitely how they plan on, on building on this in the future. And I've only just, I, I played like five minutes of it today just because I was too intrigued. So I've only, so the Rocket League um, racing, as well as festivals, we haven't played yet. But I think that's another, again, pretty fascinating story of combining intellectual property and, and I guess their vision of, of what the metaverse looks like. I think ideally they'd like this content to sit alongside all the user-created UEFN content where Lego Fortnite is, you know, the same kind of first-class citizen as user-created worlds and experiences built through UEFN, right? I think that's kind of the vision here. Um, and it's very interesting how they position it inside of the UI, inside of launch Fortnite. And it's another game mode right next to Battle Royale, even though it, it's almost a full game. Well, it is kind of a full game, like completely unique uh, interactions, mechanisms, everything else, right? So I think that's pretty, pretty fascinating um, how they're handling that. Uh, I think it's a good picture into kind of where Epic is aiming their efforts today. Um, yeah, so I, I think this is pretty exciting. And on top of that, they released a whole new episode of Fortnite. It's a brand new island tons of new mechanics. Some people are kind of freaking out because it, it's pretty different than the old Fortnite, which we just played. So they had like OG Fortnite, then all of a sudden like they changed the movement. There's now like attachments for your weapons and it, it's a very if it, it is a different game. I like it. Some people have felt like it's, it's a departure. Um, but essentially they said all right, enjoy the old Fortnite. Here's the new Fortnite, <laughs> you know, like because <laughs> it's dead, right? Like that's old. Here's what's here's what's coming, right? Um, so I think that's all been pretty exciting. Do people lose their? I want to say their levels. Did Battle Pass change? Like what? What really happened to uh, everyone who built up any kind of? Uh, yeah, levels, cash, items, whatever. Did it, does yeah. all of that carry into the next Fortnite? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, all, all the same skins and, and everything are still there. And actually, in LEGO Fortnite, uh, not all of them, uh, but some of the skins transfer into your LEGO character. And this oh, is actually cool. pretty interesting. So, like, I have, like, my go-to skin for Fortnite is, like, Doctor Strange, because I'm, I'm a mm, big Doctor right. Strange and Marvel fan. Um, and that skin did not have a LEGO version. And I find this pretty pretty interesting because there is a Lego Doctor Strange. Like there's a a Lego set, I believe that is like the the what's the name of the? Oh man, I'm Marvel? gonna get roasted in the comments for the 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 building for Doctor Strange. Like the, oh, uh, the, the Sanctum, Sanctum Santorum. Yeah, something like that. There is that, and there is a Doctor Strange Lego. But I'm assuming that there's just so much complicated IP involved. Uh, when when it's not just Doctor Strange and Fortnite, it's Doctor Strange, Fortnite, and Lego all at the same time. Like, who gets the royalties from them? Uh, that there, I, I guess they didn't want to touch that. But there there are a lot of skins that just kind of get that get turned into Lego uh, pieces. I am actually very curious too about how they built the internal tooling for that, and if they have some interesting like. Uh, uh, you know, Fortnite skin to Lego converter, or <laughs> like I'm very curious how they built that tooling out. Um, but it all transfers. I mean, that that's part of their their vision, right? Is you buy a skin in Fortnite, and your Lego version can use it, and like uh, all. So, oh, here's another interesting thing: if you're a Rocket League player, when you first booted up the game after season five, all of your Rocket League items. So like cars and the, uh, car decals, all the stuff. If you play Rocket League, all that came over into Fortnite. Um, so you got a big screen saying, "Hey, all your all your uh, um, all your Rocket League cars are here," and I think that's pretty cool. Um, I, you can imagine the future. For example, you're in Fortnite uh, Battle Royale, right? And they have the like Rocket League cars. You get in it and you get to select which of your Rocket League cars you can drive around it. Like, I think that's that's a pretty interesting example of just how, like, how well thought out uh, their kind of uh, uh, ecosystem is. Yeah, uh, the IP stuff is really interesting to me as well. Like, I remember we had a, a partnership thing going with Legoland uh, years ago, and I was surprised to realize, like, oh, you know, none of the the Lego IP. Uh, partnerships are part of Legoland. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like Legoland can do things with Ninjago and uh, a few things from like the Lego movie, but like can't touch anything that involves like Star Wars or Marvel or Lord of the Rings or any of the many other IP arrangements that have happened specifically with the toys. And so similarly, I imagine there's a, a whole lot of legal complications with like, well, there, because of course there are, yeah, as you say, like there's a Lego Doctor Strange, there's a Doctor Strange in Fortnite. Same thing with a lot of the characters in there. And yet uh, it's not that easy to just uh, port all of that over. So I'm sure we'll see more of that um, coming in the future. Yeah. Uh, YouTube is now on a neon lights love tunnel. I have no idea how it got there. I'm just going to leave it for a second. That's fine. <laughs> Suddenly this feels like a very romantic episode. Um, but that that Good job, Jacob, because you did get me very excited about trying all this out. How do you feel about all of this being under the banner of Fortnite versus like, why not just release these things as separate games? Does it feel right that this is all in the same ecosystem? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, like I said, having this position next to UAFN creators where it's like, uh, 
it, you can become part of the ecosystem and you can have your experience right next to Lego Fortnite. Um, I think it's really cool. Now, I think if you're thinking about this from like Epic standpoint, could they make more money if they released a separate Lego Fortnite game? A hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent, because if they create a new ecosystem where now you have to also buy Lego skins, like where your skin from Fortnite doesn't come over, that's a whole different story, right? Like they can make way more money doing it that way. Yeah. But I think fundamentally what makes it exciting is the fact that all of these things that you already know and love come over. And, and yeah, I, I think that makes all the difference. Now, one thing <laughs> that I thought about immediately when all this happened was, okay, well, Fortnite in itself was kind of a, People claimed, I think rightly, that it was a bit of a ripoff of PUBG, right? Sure. Um, and Arma Mod, uh, whatever it was called, I can't remember. Um, Arma 3 had a mod, and that's what became PUBG, and then PUBG, and then Fortnite. Um, now they've come up with something that is, look, you can skin it any way you like. It's a clear Minecraft. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Minecraft inspired in the least, right? Like, no, the world is not made of cubes and you don't go mining, as far as I can tell. I haven't gotten that far, right? But nonetheless, like, it's a Minecraft, you know, uh, inspired game. Now, <laughs> like, you could challenge Epic on this and say, hey, like, come up with some more creative, you know, genres here. You've taken other people's IP and you've clearly shown that you're very good at deploying it. Um, and there's definitely value to that, but, uh, do I wish that like, maybe they had come up with something more original? Maybe, maybe. Um, but I, I am, I am excited about the stuff that they're releasing here. I, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, on a similar note, maybe this acts a bit of a, as a segue as well. Uh, Lego's doing very well. They also just released for VR Lego brick tales. It's actually has a mixed reality component as well. Um, and I wish I knew offhand whether or not the game was developed in Unreal Engine. Because uh, the interesting thing about LEGO is that they've also had a partnership with Unity. There's actually been a very good Unity sample project for years that uses LEGO. Uh, and then also piling more on this, you know, LEGO Minecraft kind of stuff. Uh, a friend of mine, Gabrielle Romagnoli, who just started a new podcast, by the way, XR AI Spotlight. It's very good. I'm in one of the first episodes, so lots of reasons to check it out. He just posted a, a video the other day that's gone a little bit viral of him outside in a quest just in his yard and doing like mixed reality Minecraft where he is like digging in his yard and, you know, building walls around and it looks fantastic. And then you think about like the really trippy things where it's like, okay, you've dug this big hole and now you want to go into the hole. So you jump into the hole, but your physical ground hasn't changed, but your character does now go down there. And uh, I, I think about, you know, children in particular and how much more flexible their brains are going to be at adapting to those kinds of uh, fissions between the real world and the virtual world. Whereas old folks like you and I, Jacob, that might be a bridge too far for some of us. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But um, yeah. hey, you know, at least we'll have Lego Fortnite. You know. Yeah. I actually, cool. I think a big thing is I, I'm very much looking forward to the the festivals one. Like they've already had. I mean, there's lots of music in Minecraft as is. But mm -hmm. to see a, a more you know modern take where it's not just like old rock songs, 
and it's a lot it's like a lot of current music and see how they yeah. spin that and like how they make it engaging right uh like the the event was you had like a bunch of key like a couple keys on your keyboard you press them and you know like do they release like new hardware for it like how are they going to make that engaging uh, like are they going to like is the way they're going to play it similar to Eminem where they'll get the actual artist to come in and record these concerts or how you know how does that going to work um i think that's that's going to be pretty interesting yeah for sure cool well um do you think we can go into a little bit of a, a quick educational commercial break let's do it yeah. And I, I should say this is a bit of a companion to the podcast episode um, that I had with Gabriel because he did ask me, what are some things in Unreal Engine that not enough people know about? And the first thing that came to my mind was uh, the Cloud Viewer template. So between that and then, again, some of our, our lovely audience members saying, hey, can you you know teach us a few more things and talk about getting started in things? This seemed like a good opportunity. So for anyone watching the stream, I'm going to do the show overlay feature. And for anyone uh, just listening, hopefully I can walk you through this a little bit. But uh, just to go through this like relatively quickly, if you were to create a, a new Unreal Engine project, and I'm in 5.3 right now, if you were to go into the Architecture tab, or the Automotive uh, Product Design and Manufacturing tab, you would see the Cloud Viewer. One of them is a car and one of them is a building. And when you open it up, it seems deceptive because it's like, okay, well, there's just a building, really simple building, some nice, you know, vertex uh, swaying trees here, and that's it. Uh, although you should get excited noticing, hey, there's not one, but several player starts although that's really weird that there's five and six why is it five and six and not one and two in any case <laughs> let's see what happens when i just go ahead and press play here just in the sample level pressing play okay so you'll notice right away i'm in like a fly mode so this feels a lot like the editor so i've got w a s d q e to move around uh, and then in the upper right there's a few other things i can click there's the scale mode which you're really not going to notice in a meaningful way unless you're in VR. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, there's also a walk mode here. So you'll see gravity's on and now I'm walking and uh, the space bar does not jump me. It does something else. We'll get to that in a second. And then there's an orbit mode. So with this orbit mode, you kind of pick like a, a bit of a pivot point and then you can use like the mouse wheel to zoom out and kind of rotate around the whole thing like a 3D model. So already there's uh, just a couple things out of the box here that might be useful even if you're just doing a, a regular you know project where you want the ability to fly, walk, and uh, go into kind of a diorama mode. But then here's amazing thing number one. This is a template that out of the box allows you to switch back and forth uh, between VR. And I actually did want to demonstrate this in VR, but my headset just died. Uh, but if I had VR active, I could hit VR mode now and then suddenly be inside the VR experience. So that ability to, without totally reopening an Unreal Engine session, to bounce back and forth between a 3D mode and a VR mode is quite lovely. Uh, so there's that. Then also we have this spacebar item. So this same menu is available in VR and we have all sorts of things here. Now this is called the collaborative review template and, or collaborative viewer. And it is because the idea of this is for you to get to work together with other people on uh, you know, changing the design. So it's kind of like a light version of the multi-user editor, which typically requires like a VPN. We talked about, you know, VPN stuff a little bit in our last episode where you want, might want to have a lot of people working on the same project at the same time. So you can do a little bit of that here out of the box without the need for a VPN, 
Um, I'll get to the multiplayer side in a second, but you could have several people open at the same time. And in this viewer menu, we have things like transform. So I could go and I could start to grab things like the roof or this tree and just start to very intuitively move this stuff around. No, 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 we should have trees over here. And there's moving and there's also resetting, which is quite nice. So I can reset whatever I uh, have clicked on. There we go, if I'm in, if I'm in um, reset mode, whoops. Sometimes the UX here gets a little bit confusing. It should reset back to where it was, uh, or maybe not. What if I do reset all? Reset all will take it back to how it was at the beginning. Uh, going over to annotation, there is both a drawing mode, which is quite cool. And this is, if you're in VR, this feels a lot like tilt brush. If you're not in VR, then you're basically going to be taking um, some flat surface in front of you and painting on top of it. This will be easier if I'm in fly mode. So you can see I'm kind of drawing over by the window here. Uh, and then also in annotation mode, there's an annotate text feature where I can click on something and say, this door is dumb, <laughs> whatever. And, you know, have other comments. Is this for passive cooling? Back in architecture school. And uh, then you have snapshots, right? So just real quick, you can take some pictures, really easy, you know, high res screenshot kind of stuff with rule of thirds here. Uh, take a picture, take a picture, and you see these screenshots get saved right away. Then we got the there's measurement a lot tool. In this template. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, you see, I'm trying to whiz through it really quick, but there's a lot of stuff here that you can pull apart for your own purposes. Uh, first of all, with the measurement tool, you have to meter and to imperial. So we'll do imperial and I'll go add and I'll throw some quick measurements in here. Oh, you can also see the shadow of my avatar here. I don't love the avatar, it looks a little bit silly, uh, but you know, you can change that too if you want. So distance between the trees 32 feet. How tall are we? We are at about, whoops, I did that wrong. We are at about 30 feet also. Cool. So you see it's got some pretty good snapping already baked into this stuff. And then there's scale. So yeah, scale, you're not really going to notice the difference if you're not in VR. But of course, the whole world looks quite different. You're just changing in world settings the world to meter scale when you mess around with this stuff. Uh, next up, we've got bookmarks. Bookmarks are basically just when you want to jump to different camera points. Uh, this is a lot like when you're in the editor, if you do control one, control two, control, control three, etc., you are actually setting bookmarks in the editor that you can then snap to at any given moment. And so we're doing something similar here where we have these different bookmarks we can jump to. And if I really like a particular view, this makes me feel like the Lorax or something. I can go <laughs> create bookmark. That's a nice pull, right? Lorax view and say add and then that will be a new saved bookmark. These all get created as a, a .sav file, which you can find in your saved folder later on, and you see that it shows up right there too. Okay, almost done. 3D cut but, volume. Well, here, yeah, so, let's pause. Wait a second, all right, Go pause ahead. a second. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So when you're looking at this project, you see all these features. If you were someone just getting into this and you, you saw one of these features, like, let's pick one like the, um, the commenting feature. Yeah. How would you then go into this project and see how they implement it and bring mm -hmm. that into your own project? Like, what's your process for doing something like that? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, sometimes when there's a template like this that's chock full of features, it can be very difficult to like extract one particular feature. So normally what I do, if, there, if there's anything that I want to use from the Collab Viewer template, I am actually going to use the Collab Viewer template. And if there's too many things there, which of course in many cases there will be, I'm not trying to delete anything, but I am trying to turn things off. So for example, I'll show that if we know we're not going to use like the orbit mode or something like that, 
I'll briefly go into here and just show how we can disable that icon so it's impossible to click on. That's a lot easier than actually trying to like migrate any of this stuff because there are a ton of dependencies. Although one thing that's quite nice in Unreal Engine 5.3 is um, this template now also uses the enhanced input system. So all of the inputs connected to doing all this stuff are much more modular versus when they were in the traditional input system. Yeah, awesome. So. Yeah. In reality, if if you find any one of these things, you're digging into the blueprints. You're maybe trying to figure out flags where you can enable dis disable things, um, and you're just going to use that template and create new levels and go from there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, the simplest thing I use this for is multiplayer. So we'll get to that in a second. But also, like, really, if you're on a team and you're working on a project together, uh, it's really handy to just be able to take your Unreal Engine map. Uh, even if you're, it started somewhere else, migrate your Unreal Engine map into here. You can even replace literally the sample level so all of the other things are connected or just add it into the levels tab um, over here uh, so it loads automatically. And it's it's going to give you so much out of the box in terms of what the pawn can do and you know how you interact with all of it. Uh, but yes, I do think it can be overwhelming if you then package this and you say, hey, everyone, look at this project, and they get distracted by a bunch of things that aren't actually relevant to what you're doing. Um, okay, let's wrap up real quick. So first, uh, the section box tool, this is a little bit like Revit. You can actually kind of include and exclude different things. That's cool. Uh, and then we've also got Datasmith Runtime. Do you know what Datasmith Runtime is, Jacob? Uh, no, please tell me. Datasmith, of course, is, uh, I think you know what Datasmith is, the method that you can get uh, projects and 3D data from Rhino and SketchUp and 3DS Max and Revit and Cinema 4D and a billion other programs into Unreal. That's something that's been around for a while. You know, we could go up to our little plus if I wasn't in play mode and add .udatasmith files. Datasmith runtime is a little bit newer because this allows you to load Datasmith files. When, Jacob? At runtime. At runtime, that's right. And so the great thing about that is you can actually have a, a bit of a, a template set up. Like you can build this out as an executable and then you can kind of add in whatever new Datasmith files you are getting uh, and I've done this with a number of other architecture firms we've worked with, for example, where they know like all the core features they want. And then we're just bringing in their Datasmith files um, into the executable, you know, without actually building a new executable. And it's doing some auto conversions of, you know, things that are named this into certain blueprints. It's adding um, design options that you can cycle through also based on like simple naming conventions. So there's a lot you can do here. So if I were to go and say use Datasmith file, I could actually grab a Datasmith file or a GLTF file for that matter. Matter. I don't oh, think I have any handy. Um, actually, you know what? I might. I might. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. <gasps> I do. Okay. Here's a Datasmith file. Uh, let's just see what happens if I bring this in. Receiving. And it's probably going to be far away because sometimes Revit models are far away. And let's just look around for a moment and see if it's here. There it is. So there we go. So there's a there's a Datasmith file all the way over there. We're not going to fly over there because it'll <laughs> take forever. But uh, that is just loaded at runtime. When I exit out of this, that will no longer be there. Although... I wonder if the um, the K key, the, the keep simulation thing, would actually work in this case. Uh, let's find out. You don't I think, think it's going to work? I think the actor has to exist in the level before. Yeah. You're almost definitely right. And yet, and yet what I'm going to do is I'm going to press right. that K key or right click and say, um, oh, that's, it's grayed out. So maybe, yeah. not. maybe we can't do that. That's okay. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. It does typically need to actually exist in the scene beforehand. Um, we do get a little bit of a preview. Oh, let's let's zoom over to it real quick. 
Oh, we can't. We can't use the F key. That's fine. That's fine. I probably I'm not even allowed to show what's over there anyway. <laughs> I do not have permission to show the project over there, even at this tiny, tiny scale. It'll just have to remain in the distance. Exactly. But it's cool that, you know, you just load up a project that doesn't exist. Uh, okay, we're almost done uh, up here. Uh, if I were to make a bunch of these changes and then I save this and I say, Alex, cool changes. And then I save that. This also goes into a .sav file. And then I, you know, delete a bunch of stuff or move a bunch of stuff around. Maybe I've got some ideas for where this wall should go, for example. Um, and again, you know, the tree and all this. Oh, look at and that. I save it these changes. It just went to early modernism all of a sudden. Look at that. That's right. Very early modernism. <laughs> and we say, Alex, bad changes. Modernism. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then we save that. Uh, you see that we now have two options. And so we have our default state and Alex cool changes and Alex modernism. <laughs> and uh, very easy to be using the uh, level snapshot plugin in this context. That's how we're doing all that cool stuff. Uh, okay, and then also, very briefly, talking about the multiplayer side, there's voice chat right out of the box, which is really cool. And if we actually wanted to use proper multiplayer, all you do, I finally exited out of play mode, uh, we open into the sample level, but in the collab viewer, there's actually a map in here called login level. And if we go to this login level, it looks like nothing, because everything is actually handled by the pawn in here. So the game mode has our login menu uh, pawn. And so when I press play, it opens up this menu where we say, my name is Alex. And then you have the option to either host a session, join a session, or do a local session. Local session would mean not multiplayer. But if I were to host a session and press next, I'd pop then back into the sample level. And uh, if we had wanted to give like a proper demo, and this is how I usually teach this course, I would give everyone my IP address, a little bit dangerous, but it's okay. And as long as I have my port open, I think I just need 7777, which is often open by default anyway, uh, I could then let my students or Jacob or you, fair listener, uh, pop right into the scene and we'd all be pawns that are different colors. In fact, we can simulate it very briefly by um, being in this login level and saying, let's have three players. And net mode, I would do play as listen server. I believe it's listen server. And then I can go and press play. I think this is gonna work. And then yes, we get these other little menus. So I'm gonna pull these off to the side. Oh, you can't see the other ones actually because of the way I'm sharing my screen. But if I say Alex host, and this is hosting a session, I think my other ones, which you'll see in a second, might be able to join. So we'll say Alex to uh, join a session. Next, looking for servers, Alex2, there we go, and I see it, Alex3, join a session. It's been a while since I've taught this course, so I'm forgetting a few things, <laughs> but yep, here we go. So there's Alex2. Oh, and um, we're getting a mic echo too, because uh, the mic is working, but I could go and mute <laughs> the mic, and that would help, and let's get one more in here. Do, 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 do. So there's also the option to specify an IP address, and that's great too. So there we go. We got three Alex's all doing cool stuff, hanging out in this lovely template that I feel like nobody uses, and they should. So there's my, my quick evangelism of the template. And then uh, just to finish up on the thought of like, how would you actually modify something like this? Um, let's say, for example, yes, that you wanted to turn one of the things off. Let's go to my filters and do a... Uh, a widget, user interface, widget blueprint. And I want to find the one that, uh, well, there's the main menu, by the way. That's an easy place where you could customize like the logo of, of you or your company. You could change that. 
But then if we wanted to change um, ba -ba 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 -ba, what we have for the UI, here we go. So you'll notice, by the way, there's an AR mode here. I've, I've never actually seen it active, but in theory, there's a way to do this with AR as well, which is super cool. Kind of reminds cool. me of Normcore and Unity, where you can have uh, AR, VR, desktop, all in multiplayer together. But like, yeah, let's say we wanted to disable um, the orbit button. We could just, we, we probably wouldn't want to delete it here because it would throw a bunch of errors, but we could scroll down to uh, visibility and we could just say hidden. So it says hidden and then I'm pretty sure if I compile and then I go ahead and press play in the main map, desktop, not desktop UI. Wait a minute, recent assets? Is this new, Jacob? Sorry, I'm, I'm blowing my own mind here for a second. Recent I have assets. always wanted something that shows you things like the recent blueprints you've opened. Recent Maybe. assets, this is great. I don't know. That's cool. I discover uh, everything through uh, you or Chris <laughs> Murphy these days. So. Oh, yeah. I'm in good company. Chris is amazing. Uh, let's go back to, well, I, I don't want to go back to the login level. I want to go back to the main level. So let's go to filter that. But yeah, for our audio listeners, uh, file recent assets. I've never noticed this before, but that's great. So you're like, what was that blueprint I just had open? Grr. It's right there. Fantastic. Uh, so sample level, save everything, save desktop UI. And now I press play. And there we go. So we just have a blank spot where that orbit button was. And oh, we still have the, the multiplayer players in here too, which is great. And anyway, that's, that is my very quick flyby of the Cloud Viewer template. Jacob, do you have any questions? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have too many questions. I, I do have comments. I, I mean, this, this template is awesome. Um, and I know a lot of folks who have gone in here and used this for amazing projects. Um, I, I, I think one of the best ways to learn Unreal Oh my God! <laughs> Alex is showing on the screen one of the one of the players is like a thousand times what they should be, and it's frightening. Um, <laughs> I think one of the best ways to learn Unreal is either you go into the the samples and you you just pick them apart, or you go into the uh, what's the name of the big tunnel with all the Oh, the, um, the, uh, oh my gosh, uh, content samples or uh, content examples or content examples. Yeah. Um, and just spend an hour trying to recreate like one of the things inside there. Yeah. Like you will learn so much doing that rather than trying to come up with some end product that you want to build and like fighting your way through everything. Like, if you're just here to learn Unreal, you know, if, if that's your goal, start by not taking an objective view of everything that you need to learn in order to get where you want to be. And just start by learning the things that are just interesting to you. Mm -hmm. um, jump into the samples folder and say, hey, I'm interested in animation. Even if you don't think you're going to need animation for something, because I guarantee you, you're going to learn something about some other part of the engine you you hadn't thought yeah. about before. So yeah. that's definitely I, I learned about uh, of, of advice. Yeah, I learned about multi-gate um, seeing a, a, like a weapon switching, like an inventory thing. And it was like, oh, I see that's for switching weapons. But like you could switch anything with that. And then I've used that for, yeah, things like switching design options and architecture projects. Yeah, exactly. Just getting in there. And not worrying so much about the final product, just just trying to learn a few things, recreating small effects like that 
that helps you learn so much faster, so much, and so much more um, inside something as massive as Unreal Engine, in my opinion. And this is a great example of something where you could go in here and say, hey, I, I want to build one of those features. I'm just going to recreate one of those features, not all of them, just one. And I guarantee you're going to learn a ton. And then the second you know you get your first job with Unreal Engine and someone's like, hey, we need to be able to do this, this, and this, you might still go to the Collaborative Viewer template and just use it. Mm -hmm. But if the second they ask to make changes or they're asking for something a little different, you'll know how to break it apart and how to how to modify, how to change it, how to rebuild it if you need. Like that's the process that is the hardest to learn and, and or it's, it's the hardest to find. Um, and, and the best way to do it is just to pick it apart from the. Yes, I agree, Jacob. And I'm now I'm playing a laser game where I make everything into an X-ray view. <laughs> Very fun. Um, so with that in mind, um, I hope this was helpful. And if, if you guys like this, let us know. And we'll try to find some time uh, every couple episodes to do a little, you know, fun fact or hidden gem. Or if I were to do something for the first time uh, and didn't know Unreal Engine, here's how I would do it. Uh, and also, if this in particular interests you, I think as the the best and worst Unreal Engine authorized training center in New York City, because we are the only one. Uh, I think in early in February, we are going to try to do like a VR intensive, like a whole week over Zoom of just teaching all the cool, cool things about Unreal Engine, the cool things too, and VR. And if that interests you, let me know. And that will motivate me to actually put together the, the curriculum and the syllabus and let people sign up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. What should we talk about next, Jacob? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, well, you, you should tell me a little bit about RTC. Yeah. So what did you did you attend any of the sessions this year, Jacob? I did not. I did not. Right. So real time uh, community uh, has several real time conferences. Jean-Michel, a uh, friend of the show and us and, and all things good in this world. Uh, has wanted for many years to have like a conference that really focused on real time. And I got a good chance a few years back to chat with him coming out of Games for Change in New York City about his vision. This was in, geez, late 2019. And he was, you know, talking about his vision for uh, that next year. And there was going to be one conference in New York City and one in Paris. And they were going to be totally real time and sharing sessions and content and multiplayer experiences. And I believe it was scheduled for... Uh, April of 2020. But uh, Jacob, can you think of any reason why the conference might not oh, have happened man. as Sean uh, Michelle intended? I, it all it all gets blurry, you know. Uh, just I don't know, COVID. You know. <laughs> yes, that would be it. Bingo. Uh, and yet, and yet, Jean Michelle and the whole RTC team prevailed. Um, I was fortunate to be the architecture track curator for a couple of years. Also did the storytelling track, and. It's a it's been an entirely virtual conference and it's worked out really well. The sessions are very well run. You have luminaries from every different discipline. And that's the thing that makes the real time conference really exciting is you have people coming in from all these different tracks um, talking about uh, their experience working in the industry. And uh, what you find, of course, is you listen to an automotive session. And we've talked about similar things like at Unreal Fest, where even if it's not your industry, they're facing similar problems. And to hear them talk about how they solve those problems, you learn something new. So this year, uh, I was fortunately, all, all my sessions were on one day. So on Wednesday in the morning, uh, we were doing a cool thing with Radical Live. 
Um, ooh, I'd love to pull this up if I can. I'll see if I can pull it up a little later in the session where we were demoing uh, not something we're actually using in Christmas Carol, but we had Ari Tar and Dante Cameron on my team um, doing full body mocap entirely from their webcam live uh, and then using the MetaQuest Pro for facial tracking and just giving a bit of like a little presentation about using the software and Ari gave a little performance. So we were kind of on the animation, new tech storytelling track for that. And then a few hours later, uh, I got to do a session with Jose Urbe and Neil Griffiths uh, from Pure Blink and D-Box respectively, which was kind of a nice companion piece to our Four Seasons uh, talk from Unreal Fest, which I may not have mentioned yet, is on YouTube. So go check that out on YouTube. So here, this was more Q&A, and we just had a chance to talk a little bit more about how and why we ended up creating this crazy 5,000 square foot VR showroom. And that was lovely. And then immediately after that panel, I switched places with uh, Matteo, who was the moderator, and then I became the moderator for a panel about AI and the future of um, design tools and, you know, talking to like Carenza Harris from Morphosis, Morphosis, like, is there any concern that there will just be like knockoff Morphosis buildings because it's going to be so easy to tell an AI, like design this whole thing like Morphosis? Uh, spoiler alert, her answer was no, she's not worried about that. But that was a really good discussion. I'm, I'm always nervous moderating a panel in particular where there are, are a lot of participants. So there were six of them. And wow. uh, and surprisingly, even in the like 25 minutes we had, everyone got a chance to make a couple good points. So I give myself a little bit of a pat on the back for being a pretty good moderator. But the whole event, the whole conference was excellent. I believe all the sessions will be available for free to watch um uh, as a replay, probably early in the new year. So go to um, real-time conference or real-time community to learn more. And I'll try to pull up some of these images when um, Jacob starts talking and you can see a little bit of this if you're watching the YouTube stream. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, the, that's a great conference. And uh, definitely if there's content online for people to check out, definitely recommend it. Um, and certainly if you're in, it was this also virtual? Yeah, this is all virtual. And I, I should mention, by the way, and I, again, apologies for our eagle-eyed listeners who are like, Alex, you already talked about this. Back in May, there was a physical version of the real-time conference called the Real-Time Economic Summit, and that was at the Museum of the Moving Image in New York City. And that was really cool, because as far as I know, that was the first in-person gathering of the real-time community. And rather than your, you know, lightning fast 20-minute sessions and panels, those were like much more intensive. So that was where I uh, co-hosted with Samantha Anderson, formerly of Epic Games, and Chris Nichols of uh, Chaos and the CG Garage, Pod CG Garage Podcast. We got to have like a, a really long, like four-hour workshop intensive about uh, you know, designing uh, luxury items and how real-time experiences help with that. And there were a lot of great sessions there too. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, I got the website pulled up. Let's see if I can share it. Um, Jacob, uh, t tell us a little bit about what you have seen at the real-time conference, though, in the past. Well, uh, last year, um, I think, and I think we reflected on this a little bit um, yeah. back in May, but that was kind of right when AI was really kind of starting to hit its stride and virtual production was also kind of hitting its stride you know metaverse was much bigger uh, <laughs> at the towards the start of the year um and so i think we we heard a lot of intrepidation from people around ai and i think that's still very much there um and same with virtual production people who have just been told hey i've been told i need to do virtual production 
tell me what that's about. Um, so I think both of those things played heavy into it. So it, it kind of so- sounds like similar themes were, were at play uh, um, more recently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you go to realtime.community slash videos, there's already a bunch of uh, sessions from the past. I believe I'm in a couple of these as well. And then if you go to the upper right where it says free, register for RTC December 2023, it'll take you to like an Eventbrite page, um, which I think I can pull up here. And then um, it's very easy. You just register for free and then you will be able to check out all of the goodness from this uh, later on at your own leisure. Very nice. Neat. Awesome. Cool. Oh, and speaking of, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to segue to a, a, a bit of a, an off-topic that I mentioned last week. Um, Ooh, real quick before you do that, can I? because we're talking about AI already, can I very yeah, quickly yeah, show let's, let's, Magnifique? Oh, that's right. Let's do yeah, that. Let me let's show Magnifique. Um, add new stream. Stop screen share. Add new stream. Start screen share. Just to give everyone a chance, a, a second of uh, understanding what I need to do here. So um, Magnifique uh, kind of popped out of nowhere a couple weeks ago, and it was designed by, I'm sorry for forgetting his name, but someone who's been giving a lot of really cool AI tutorials for a while, and we'll give a little overlay here. Um, it, it got attention because of an image that became viral very quickly of the PS1 version of Laura Croft from Tomb Raider very polygonal, yeah. like 12 polygons, and then sliding over and seeing like, oh my God, the environment, her, she looks like a person now. And so this is using AI in a very interesting way where through a prompt of saying like, you know, make a cute 23-year-old girl or something from this, that it just does it. So I thought I would take this for a little bit of spin and I, I haven't done anything crazy with it yet. And there is a bit of a free trial um, to, you know, use some tokens to try things out. But uh, what I started testing was um, to take some images of things I'd rendered in Unreal, like our uh, Scrooge from Christmas Carol. Yeah. And you'll notice that there's nothing crazy going on here, but it does do a nice job of things like depth of field and like the facial features. They just become more sharp. The eyes look much better. The eyelashes, which you really can't see at all in the original Unreal Engine image, uh, those come there, the forehead wrinkles. It's this pretty interesting enhancement of stuff like I could absolutely do all of this in Unreal Engine. But yeah, I was about to say that that's assuming. kind of the most interesting thing I'm seeing as you're you're doing this is like all of this seems totally possible inside. Like if it, I, I I've been arguing for a while that we need more tools around texturing and AI. Yeah. For this exact reason and material you know, uh, uh, creation, because like if you were able to use this to generate your normal maps and your roughness maps and and your grunge maps, like, yeah, you could, you can make it look this good. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's not a huge difference. I mean, obviously you've put an incredible amount of effort into making this look as good as it does already, but this la- last little 5% it's giving you, it's totally attainable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then it's cool to even just see in the background, like it adds just a little bit more texture to uh, his, his chair back here. Like, you know, and and you can modify all this with prompts. So the first one I did, we'll get to Tomba here in a second, was for Marley. And this one became very interesting because I, for the Scrooge one, I basically just was like, enhance. And it did what it did. For this one, I uh, asked, I I was much more specific. I was like, you know, Marley uh, reaching out to Scrooge about to like, you know, terrify him. 
um, et cetera, et cetera. And it did some really interesting creative choices here. So we're going to scroll from the right here. And, you know, first of all, you know, the building becoming more detailed. That's cool. Nice. It looks like there's reflections on the glass, like it's adding glass that isn't there. And then, Jacob, I want you to keep an eye on the smoke coming out of the chimney here. Because okay. it actually took me a little while to notice really what happened. But what is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so scary. Holy shit. Yeah. So, oops, so I'm, yeah, I'm trying to zoom in a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, it, it like it's almost like a deranged version of Scrooge. That's and I don't know what's that's, going on but it's like, like yeah a, that's not a smoke. nightmare yeah that's <laughs> that's terrible dude yeah and then it added like a creepy face here coming out of the building um there's a lot going on and i love this kind of like glow there's something coming from the inside this almost yeah. looks like a tent now oh, and then wow. you know we'll just follow it like we've got marley's chains uh the texture here on the clothing is getting sharper 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 like a lot more detail on the cloth uh it's turned this into like much more ornate buttons and then What's happening to his scarf here, Jacob? Oh my god. It's like it's on like acid. flesh spaghetti. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this is a hundred percent an acid trip of, of a photo. Yeah. Yeah. And then the um, face you looks, know, I, looks interesting. Like that's Yeah, because it, it it's not making the face more realistic. If anything, I'd say it's actually making the face look more uh stylized and more cartoony because the original normal map we put on marley's face was to make it very cracked skin and uh, it kind of takes away the cracks but then adds these like lesions and you know other weird things going on and then lastly lastly so again you know making the cloth more and more detailed more flesh spaghetti here and then look at the fingers what's going on with the fingers here (laughs) (laughs) there's an eyeball (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty wild yeah that's so for our wild. audio listeners it's like there's like holes in the tips of his fingers and then like two like the fingernails become these two little green eyes that are like screaming in pain or something <laughs> it understood the prompt like you, you can't argue that it like you said make this a horror film and it, it was on it it was on it yeah um so, you know, now I this just want a genuinely terrifying says, image. <laughs> yeah. And now I just want to get all this back into Unreal. Like, I'd, I'd love to use this flesh spaghetti scarf <laughs> in the actual model. Oh, man. Um, and then last but not least, like, this one kind of failed, but I, I had this old image of Tomba. Don't this leave PS1 this on the screen game. too much, otherwise it's going to get taken down by YouTube. Oh, you're right. Good point. Um, I had this uh, old image of Tomba uh, from the PlayStation 1 game, which I loved as a kid. Um, oh boy, I'm having trouble with my my zooming. And I tried to turn him into a real person. I tried to say like Tomba jumping on a real pig, and it didn't do that. But it did, you know, sharpen it up quite a bit. So you see, like it just takes all the graininess from this really low pixel pixelated yeah, image, that's interesting. and it does a really nice job just cleaning it up. So you know, if you've got any old images where you're like, oh no, I lost the high resolution version, this is going to do a pretty good job at yeah. guessing what the sharper version looks like. Yeah, super resolution is just an awesome use case for um, like text to image or, or image generation in general. Yeah. Like the way these models work is it starts with noise, just random noise, or an image, a base image. And it, its whole job is to resolve that noise into an image over time. Um, yeah. That's like the whole thing. So definitely upscale. Like one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently with this is there's a few awesome YouTube channels uh, where they take like really old music 
or, or like uh, concert videos or music from like the 50s and 60s. So think like um, like very early classic rock, like Sister Rosetta uh, and uh, I don't know, um, like Louis Armstrong and and all sorts of stuff. And they take that and they remaster it with modern technology. Like I am so excited for how much we're going to see with old audio in particular oh, yeah. and old video that's all of a sudden going to like have a second win uh, because it can be modernized instantaneously. Um, this, this is an interesting one because the story goes that for a long time or since John Lennon's death, they had this recording, but they weren't able to separate his vocals until now because of AI. You know, I, I really just think that's tip of the iceberg, right? Like, um, I, I, I'm a big music nerd, and I spend a long time, like, trolling through YouTube for, like, old, like, blues singers and stuff like that, where, like, one or two videos exist total of them. And they sound pretty terrible, but they have so much life in them. Uh, and just being able to revive that or or old recordings from tapes that have you know degraded over time and oh man it's going to be awesome uh and you pair that with the video yeah I, I think that's one of the things i'm most excited for with ai sure yeah and there's you know the very ethical clean uses of it of like we're just trying to enhance something that already exists uh in the case of the beatles it's like even george harrison recorded a guitar track for this before he died and you still have ringo and paul mccartney alive so it's like that really feels like uh, a good use of ai in the same way get back was um, and then you have what I would just call very silly uses of AI that I, I hope uh, are, are under the categories of like parody or fair use. Uh, for example, I got to hear Johnny Cash uh, singing, I'm a Barbie girl yeah. in a Barbie world. <laughs> and uh, that kind of stuff is just great. Like the fact that you can take any singer's voice and be like, yeah, what if they sing AHA's take on me? Uh, I, so. the, I heard recently... Uh, um, Little drummer boy, but it was Florida um, <laughs> low, you know. Uh, uh, man, I don't even know if I can sing it on the spot, but oh my god, it, I, I had such a nice laugh. And actually, it was kind of funny. Uh, my fiance and I were joking. Um, every year, my family has like a, a Christmas Day playlist of music, and we were thinking, oh, what if we swapped it for an AI? reboot where it's all 2000 songs in the style of christmas mm -hmm. um and see how long it takes them to realize that it's like rihanna <laughs> <laughs> rihanna lyrics and not like the christmas stuff um love it so that's pretty good but yeah i'm very much looking forward to seeing like all, all that content come back to life and and to be honest like I think if you're looking longer term at this and, and where we're headed with immersive content and our ability to recreate 3D as well, like we're going to see a point in time where you're able to take an artifact like an old video, um, even a whole, like think about it, old family, you know, video and take that and extract from it, you know, so much information and so that you can really relive it. Like, I think that's, pretty exciting um and, and to some extent i think um certainly in some cases could lower the gap between um 
particularly for for hardware devices, so that people who like haven't been able to afford the the nicest phone for the past decade, you know, all of a sudden their content is, you know, right on the same pace. <laughs> like their old photos are going to look just as good as someone who spent a lot of money on iPhone for the past ten years. Um, I think that's a, a good thing um, overall. So, yeah. For sure. And it also makes sense to give a little bit of a shout out here to uh, our friends at Looking Glass, who just started a new Kickstarter for yeah. um, a kind of like the Looking Glass portrait, but it's a little bit smaller, more like the size of a phone. Uh, the Kickstarters now, they're, they're going to be coming out in June of next year. And they are very heavily using AI in everything from, you know, volumetrify uh, and spatialize all your old photos and videos, but then also like, and, you know, animate them and turn them into characters who you can talk to. Some of that stuff can get really creepy real quick, but for some people, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, I never got to know my grandfather, um, Anastasio Spanos, and one of my sons is named Anastasios after him. Um, he sounded like an amazing man, and I never got to have any real interaction with him. And so there is a part of me that's like, it would be kind of cool to have uh, a picture of him animated in a window. And if I were to train, you know, uh, a language learning model on some of the stories and, and some of the information about him in the public discourse, the idea of being able to have some kind of conversation with him, even if it's only 60% accurate, I don't know, there's something kind of cool about that. Similarly, you know, for when I pass away in hopefully 200 years, the <laughs> idea that my children could have some fairly accurate AI version of me that they could still talk to, um, I think there's potentially something quite special about that. Yeah, I mean, one, I, I think realistically, if you have a digital footprint today, it's going to be pretty pretty easy to generate some likeness of you. And, and this is this is something I I've actually been thinking about is um, from a privacy and security standpoint. Like I, I've been saying this for a while. Like it's going to get weird, um, like to the point where. I've had I, I've been thinking about conversations about like, hey, should like should we have like a, a secret code word so you know it's actually me if I call you on the phone or you know right. stuff like that? <laughs> um, yeah, because there's definitely malicious use cases here. But I, I, I think if you're focusing in on every technology has malicious use cases, just pretty much point blank. But if you're focusing in on on some of the benefits like this is going to be a, a pretty amazing equalizing tool, just like the internet was uh, equalizing information, access to the information, accessibility, like everyone learns in a different way, different languages. They need different amounts of support. Like realistically, you know, if you talk about like, for example, the way I learned things like Unreal Engine, let's say, right. Uh, I, at the time, there just wasn't a lot of content out there. It was pretty hard to find information, and it, to some extent, it still is. Um, but like in the future, if you were able to have one, you know, uh, advisor, assistant, AI, something that you can talk to, learn at your own pace, knows how you learn best, knows how you succeed, and you can carry that with you, you know, potentially for your whole life. Like that's a pretty powerful tool. Um, and and kind of again rewrites that you know that big shift that we had with Google and just being able to search information, right? Uh, so I, I'm pretty excited for it overall, and I I think we shouldn't overplay the risks while underplaying the the results here. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> it just got me thinking, though, that it is going to be weird when my kids uh, try to talk to the AI version of me and then all of my answers are like Unreal Engine tips and tricks. And they're like, no, we want advice <laughs> for like how to buy a house. <laughs> it's like, well, if you go into the multiplayer sample. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> <laughs> totally yeah. useless advice yeah uh, they'll be like unreal engine's not even around anymore they got acquired by apple <laughs> wouldn't yeah. that be amazing 20 that would now, be, Epic that would be the biggest plot apple. twist of all time <laughs> speaking of which by the way um i know jacob you're dying to ask me about the adventures i had um uh, with an apple vision pro last week go ahead go ahead ask me about it let's see what happens yeah yeah, yeah. so what did you do well jacob um i can tell you that last week I attended an event where I got to use an Apple Vision Pro. Okay, but like, you know, were there, you know, were there snacks at lunch? I said or? all that I can say, Jacob. No <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, I, 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 all, I'll, all I will say is like, I could talk for 10 hours yeah. about uh, last Wednesday. And I wish I could. And I hope that uh, in the near future, I'll be allowed to. But until then... Just, you know, everyone wait with bated breath. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till the device comes out. Um, yeah. And I hope they're on time with it. Uh, I know, me too. Historically, that uh, isn't always the case. But I'm getting one, man. I'm getting oh, it. Oh, yeah, me too. Or I, I will not be buying one myself, but my office definitely will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should say, by the way, because I think in our last episode, I was complaining about Mac development. Um, the uh, Mac mini that I got, which only had 512 gigabytes, was definitely causing me problems. But the uh, MacBook Pro M1 with one terabyte of, or sorry, two terabytes of hard drive space that I got for a used steal of $1,600 versus the MSRP of like $4,200, that's been working great. So I, I do like the MacBook Pro. Um, and I am slowly not coming over to the Mac side as much as like understanding the value of a, a Mac-based workflow. Yeah. So hooray. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Jacob, before we started talking about Magnifique, you said there was like a, a side thing you wanted to bring up. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're already well into this episode, so we might have <laughs> to, okay. uh, uh, we'll keep this short for now, but I, I just wanted to shout out last week I mentioned, I was going to, or last time we recorded which might have been two weeks ago um i mentioned that i was going to go test drive a rivian yeah uh, and for the unreal engine fans out there rivian's center con console all runs on unreal engine and so i promised i would report back and you know i i i can say i i very much enjoyed it um i wish they used more unreal engine um i wanted some like really cool visualizations and all that um, but i am getting a rivian now it's You're on order Rivian? yeah it's on order so we'll oh. have a nice we'll have a nice review or maybe i'll do an episode from the car um basically that that color and everything it's going to be just like the demo man amazing oh i'm so <laughs> jealous yeah you have to let me ride with you and i uh, uh, pull out the boom box and just you know hold it over your head it's amazing <laughs> actually maybe i don't have the cool pearlescent paint that would be cool man is I, I was never clear. Is that actually a real option for the car? Or no, they're just, just showing it off there. I, I got like the, oh, I got it this color. This is a Rivian water bottle in the same color. Uh, yeah, a nice yeah, yeah. green. <laughs> oh boy, it does not want to show up on the video, but I I can see it in your webcam feed. <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah. like a very nice material. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, please keep us posted on that. 
Um, let's see, what else do we have on our agenda? We should move a little fast. And who knows, this might be our last episode before the new year, depending on how yeah. busy things get over the next couple of weeks. So I don't mind us having a little bit of a supersized episode. Um, so after the Apple Vision Pro stuff, I then immediately uh, booked my way uh, over to Miami for Filmgate Miami Interactive. Um, Diliana, who's lovely and wonderful, who runs Filmgate. We met through Savannah Niles at Magic Leap hung out at South by Southwest in 2019. And Diliana has very politely, but uh, incessantly been saying, you have to come down to Filmgate. You have to come down to Filmgate. This year it finally happened. It was a wonderful festival. Uh, best way I can describe it is kind of as a, a mini uh, South by Southwest, except much more intimate, of course. But there was also this really cool thing where there was a huge variety of events that you wouldn't normally get at the South by Southwest. So yes, there were panels and talks and demos and we got to do our, our premiere of Christmas Carol, which was awesome to have with a, a live audience instead of just a virtual one. But there was also like a volleyball tournament where we all got Filmgate Interactive headbands. There was a live demo where we could see the VR feed of someone's brain. There was a, a boat ride where a Republican Florida senator got to present uh, my pal Cameron, who made a VR piece called Body of Mine about uh, the trans experience of, of body dys dysphoria. Uh, a Republican senator presented Cameron with this award, which was wonderful. Uh, yeah, the boat ride was excellent on the sunset. There was swimming at the beach. There was a theatrical bike ride. There were all these things going on. Oh, and an emoji game where we all made friends with each other with this like live emoji experience. Sorry, I'm about to choke on my own saliva. Um, but it was such a cool festival. And for anyone who ever wants to hang out in Miami right when the North is getting colder in America, uh, they've already opened up submissions for next year. So just give Filmgate Interactive a Google. And uh, I know that we'll be back next year. Maybe every year we'll do our premiere of Christmas Carol there. And I would love to see some people hanging out. Oh, also, the be I, I don't usually explain why I say the thing I say at the beginning of our podcast episode, but <laughs> Disney meets Clockwork Orange was uh, Roni Abovitz, the uh, the original founder of Magic Leap, giving a an update on what he's been up to since leaving Magic Leap, which is a partnership with uh, Weta, uh, Weta Workshop, all the folks who are still over in New Zealand, uh, for a project called Blue Hour, which is kind of a transmedia metaverse where they presented a, he presented a short film which was very cool uh awesome you know weta graphics and all that of this kind of post-apocalyptic post world with interesting creatures and robots and ai and his goal for this as he described was to create this world where yes kind of like Fortnite, there's these like canon events that happen um usually in a movie form but maybe also video game form but he wants as much of this as possible to be open source so other people who go in and shoot their own films or make video games from the assets. So it was a very cool idea. And it was also a great reunion of all these awesome Magic League people that are no longer there. People like uh, Rebecca Barkin, who now is CEO of Lamina One, um, Savannah Niles, um, uh, James Powderly, uh, almost got Callie Holderman there, like all these different people who I knew. Uh, from Magic Leap, Tim Stutz, I could I could keep naming all the people originally from Magic Leap, but that was very cool because they've all basically gone off into their own worlds and companies now. But I'd love to keep up with that. So I'll, I'll see if I can find the website for Blue Hour if it's out there, but everyone keep an eye. Roni is such a fascinating guy. I was fortunate in the earlier days of Magic Leap to have a lunch with him down at the plantation office for Magic Leap. And no one has a brain quite like his. So anything he's up to, <laughs> uh, especially as someone who's both very creative, uh, very well-funded from selling his his robot company years ago, and very much wants to make the world a better place uh, through stories and art. He is 
someone to keep an eye on. Awesome. Yeah, trying to see if I can find a website on that. Um, did we talk at all about the Steam Deck OLED, by the way? Uh, no, we should. Yeah, we'll talk about that very briefly. Um, I've got it. Oh, it's right next to me, actually. Here, I'll try to. I'll try to turn it on. Yeah, I'm very uh, jealous. I, I want one of these. Yeah. Um, so you're not. You're not really going to be able to tell from here. But let me boot up something like, uh, like a little bit of Hades or something like that. And yeah, so I do have the other Steam Deck, which, fun fact, uh, seemed to break right before this came out. I wasn't going to buy this, but then my other one seemed to break, and I'm like, I don't know if it's repairable. Uh, so why not? We'll get the OLED. And um, then I got a call from the repair company being like, so what's wrong with your Steam Deck? And I'm like, it won't turn on. They're like, it's turning on fine for us. And I'm like, oh, maybe the battery just had to like fully discharge. I went through all these things of trying to do like a factory reset, but I couldn't get yeah. the screen to turn on. They tell me it's fine. So now uh, I guess I will be giving a Steam Deck to my kids for Christmas or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, the OLED stuff, it's so hard to just show this in a way that makes sense but uh it is so sharp it's so so clear i've never had an oled display before and the idea of like anything where there's blacks and it actually feels like that part of the screen is off and then all the other colors pop so much more is great there's also the fact that um the battery lasts longer um the controls all just feel a little bit better it's probably the best refresh of a of a console i've ever seen you know ps5 slim not going to be that different yeah. this feels like valve really wanted to like take every little thing people have been complaining about uh about the steam deck which is pretty universally praised and just make it a little bit better and so uh i'm very very happy with it yeah i, I mean props to them for launching this in a way that felt like uh it was a good upgrade it's not a whole new device like you don't if you have an existing steam deck don't need to run out and grab one unless you really want it um but it's yeah it, it was a, a very welcome refresh and they just made a good device better they didn't try and like reinvent the wheel um uh, which you see you know so much um so for a second you know or you know 1.5 uh device i think that's that's pretty cool yeah 100 percent um the other thing I was going to try to pull up if I can now nah, we're not gonna have time it's okay um we will save this for another episode but uh, anything else we want to cover before we say goodnight to all of our wonderful podcast listeners and watchers out there? Well, Jacob? definitely, if you haven't checked out The Christmas Carol, yeah. it's on for another week. We'll see when this gets up, but uh, definitely check it out. I still haven't I haven't seen the this year's version. I got to I gotta get in there. So maybe you'll I catch know. me inside of Christmas Carol uh, uh, sometime uh, this next week. Yeah, and we were just having a conversation today about if we want to keep people's names up during the show or if that's going to be too distracting. So I, I think at the moment we're thinking uh, in the lobby, you'll see everyone's names, but then once the show actually starts, you'll just see the little avatars flying around. So make sure you come on time to see Jacob, to hang out with our AI Charles Dickens, and we'd love to see you there. Also, the Black Friday code that we gave out in the last episode no longer uh, works, but for our wonderful podcast listeners, um, let's see, we could do... Uh, clockwork orange obviously clockwork orange i was gonna say like ue pod or something like that but we could do like <laughs> clockwork orange 50 uh why not clockwork orange 50 for our listeners to get 50 percent off the uh, interactive tickets at xmascarolvr.com slash tickets also if you want to run a benchmark just to see how well 
your um, experience can run on your computer. You just go to xmascarolvr.com slash download, and you can literally download the whole latest experience, and we are updating it pretty regularly. And you run the benchmark in the lobby, and it'll say, hey, yeah, you can use Epic settings. Cool for you. Um, and then when you buy a ticket, all it's going to do is actually give you instructions for our little escape room game in there, which can bring you into the next uh version of the lobby which becomes the live show and by all means if you think you can just solve that escape room with any help i more power to you and you have absolutely earned a free ticket to the show <laughs> there you go it's uh it's a rite of passage yeah exactly all right well how, how long do you think this episode was an hour 20 it has to be an hour Ooh, 20, right? it so feels it's... like a longer one i'm gonna hazard a guess that it's been an hour 40 yeah that, that's probably a safer guess well thank you for those of you who have hung around with us for an hour and 40 uh <laughs> make sure you like rate comment subscribe all of those things wherever you are and uh we'll see you on the next episode maybe in the new year and happy holidays to everyone yeah Thank you to uh, Alan Scott for producing our show and Vikas Reddy and the whole Light Twist team for our lovely virtual studio that we have so much fun hanging out in. Don't we, Jacob? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone. Uh, as Jacob said, happy holidays. And we maybe might see you again before the end of the year. Who knows? Hope to see some of you at Christmas Carol. Otherwise, um, stay safe. Stay good. See you later. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> what a weird sign off. Cheers. <laughs>